Do you have a uh, trunk similar to this at your home? I, it's probably going to be bigger, I, I would guess, but uh, representative of some kind of a, a trunk. Uh, trunks like this that we find in homes, they, we often find them in uh, adventure movies, right? Uh, the, things like the Goonies, you remember that movie? Uh, where young kids sneak up into their parents or, or grandparents or great-grandparents' attic and they find a trunk, and inside of that trunk is all kinds of treasures or, or maybe um, information that leads to treasure. And then that's what the movie is about, is they're off to discover that treasure. But trunks like this, are they're made to hold things. They're made to keep things, keep them safe from the from the elements and from uh, prying eyes and, and fingers. And often the things that are meant to go inside of trunks are, are precious things. And, and I'm hoping that by the end of our time together this morning, this trunk will be holding a bunch of love for our church. And so I'm just going to set it right here. Let's pray. God, thanks for loving us and for all that you do. Thank you for... 15 years of, of love and for li- of life here at uh, a real life. Thank you for, man, I don't know, maybe 12 years of supporting financially Leah and Tina so that they can tell people about Jesus on the other side of the world. Thank you for each and, and every life that's been touched for the over 150 uh, lives that have been changed and, and those individuals who have been baptized into new life over the last 15 years. Thank you, God, for uh, all you give us. Thank you for this church, and thank you for the love that we share. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, you don't see uh, trunks very often anymore, um, right? I mean, they're just not as popular today, but I'm, I'm guessing that maybe at least a few of you have, or, or maybe you have family that has uh, a trunk like this. Well, they used to call it a hope chest. Do you remember those? A hope chest. We, we have a hope chest at, at our house. Um, maybe, maybe you did too. And, and, and a chest, it's a trunk that's filled with things that, um, well, that they're sentimental. Maybe they're filled with things of value. But, but I think often trunks like this are filled with things that will maybe one day be valuable. And, and even if you don't have a, a hope chest, even if you don't have a trunk hidden away somewhere in, in your house, in your, in your attic, in the spare room, I'm, I'm betting that most of us have something precious to us tucked away somewhere in our homes tucked away and, and kept safe so that, that one day they will be able, the, the things that are contained in that trunk or that place, those things will be able to be passed down to future generations. And the, and the truth of the matter is, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what's inside of the, th- the trunk. Things that are placed in a trunk to be kept safe, they're put there because they, they hold hope. They hold promise, they hold memories, and, and, and maybe they hold value. The saving things in trunks means that somebody now is sacrificing. Uh, uh, somebody now is sacrificing because they're doing without the thing that might be in the trunk, whatever it is. And they're doing without it 
so that someone later might benefit. And I think it's this mentality that we see played out in in 4K in the early church. I threw that in just because Andrea said we're getting old and we're, we're not keeping up with the times, you know, like things change, the way people talk changes and we don't know what they're talking about. So I'm just trying to bring a little life and youthfulness into you. 4K in today's world means real life. You didn't know that. Now you know it. You're welcome. Okay. This is what happens. This is what happens when you have a child on social media and you hear all these kind of things. Uh, so, so we see this idea, this mentality of putting things in a trunk that, that are of value for somebody down the road. We see this played out in the early church. And, and it's a very serious way for us to love our church. And so we're going to look at Acts chapter 4 today. This is the very beginning of the church. Luke is writing about a history of the beginning of the church. And so we are just like um, not, not very long, a few months maybe, from the death and resurrection of Jesus when Luke writes about what is happening in the early church. Here's what he says. The full number of those who believe, those first followers, they were of one heart and soul. So much so that no one said that any of the things that belonged to him, just keep that word, I think it's interesting to use that word, belong to him, was his own. But instead they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. So much so that there was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them. And brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Now, we live in a world today that seems way more focused on getting and keeping the things that we have. Way more focused on that than sacrificing and and helping. Would you agree with that? This society that we live in today, it's way more interested in getting things and keeping things and protecting what's mine and making sure I have enough that if there's a, a problem, there's a, there's a whole subculture of people out there. You'll know who I'm talking about. They're called preppers, lovingly called preppers. And, and, and it's people who amass a bunch of things so that if something happens, they're protected. They have what they need and, and they can meet their own needs. We live in a world that's really good at getting and keeping and not so good at sacrificing and helping. And, and I was thinking, what, what must the world, like every person, this idea of, of getting things, this kind of greed that we have in our society, what must that sound like to God when, when so many of us, the world over, are tightening our grip on what's ours? I think it would sound like this. That 
video is a pretty vivid picture of how good we can be at loving ourselves. We look at things, and again, our society, we look at TV, we go into stores, everything is designed to get us to go mine. Like, I, I want that. I, I don't just want that, I need that. And if I have it, life will be better. I'll be protected. I'll be able to sustain myself or my family in the coming days. But what we see in the book of Acts is how the first followers That early church was loving each other by loving the church. And so if we're going to love the church like the first followers, there's a few things that each of us will need to get more comfortable with, or maybe we could say more confident in. And the the first thing I think that we're going to have to get more comfortable with or confident in is we got to learn to uh, release our grip. We got to learn to release our grip on the things of this world. Luke says it this way, that, that no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. And so Luke recognizes, look, you, you have it, you own it, like it belongs to you. It's yours, and you get to choose what to do with it. And so this early church, they didn't claim that what belonged to them was their own. The first church had a loose grip on their goods. Sarah talked about this a while back with giving, that we live with open hands to God and to others. And, and I think it's tempting sometimes to look at scriptures like this and look at place in the Bible. We go, yeah, but those people could have a loose grip because like they didn't have much. It was easy for them to, to give it away because they didn't have a lot to begin with. But I would just encourage you, if you're familiar with Acts chapter four, just skip ahead to Acts five where you read a story about a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira who pretended to have a loose grip on the things that belonged to them when they really didn't. And and that uh, turned out to not be a very good situation for Ananias and Sapphira. I won't give it away. You can go home and read Acts chapter 5. I would just say that in the church and in a society today, this is not a place for us to act like, like seagulls. Mine, mine, mine. Because the truth is that, that nothing is mine. There is nothing that is yours. It's all his. God owns it all. And God invests what is his with us. We're like God's uh, crypto account. He invests with us in hope of getting a good return on his investment. What Lance talked about today, time, talent, treasure, and and testimony. God invests with us in hopes of getting a good ROI, return on investment for those things. And so um, God measures his ROI in how well we love others with what we've been given by him. So it's not ours, it's God, and he measures his investment by how well we do at giving up those things that we might claim belong to us. So the first followers, they didn't demonstrate their love by giving to the corporate entity of the church. The church was just beginning, it was very small, we didn't, they didn't have big buildings and, and lush green grasses out in front and, 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 and big corporate machines that they had to kind of keep running. They didn't, they didn't have that. And so the early church didn't demonstrate its love by giving to the church. 
Although the Jews would have been very comfortable with that because they were commanded to do that where the temple was concerned. And and I think they also didn't give everything they had away. They just had two, I think, mental money shifts in the early church. The, The first one is this. They realize that God gives, I don't get. That the things that I have, I have because God gives them to me, not because I get them. And, and that's really what we think, right? I, I've gone to school. I've developed a trade. I understand what I'm doing. I'm good at it. I go out and I get what belongs to me. And so we have a very um, uh, earning kind of sense to the things that we have. It's mine because I earned it. Or, or we might say, I, I'm owed it. I gave my boss my time, I gave my job my time and my energy and effort, and I am owed this salary from them. The early church didn't think that way. They thought God gives everything I have, and that changes the mindset, right? Now it's not mine because I earned it and I got it and I get to keep it. It's mine because God gave it to me, and that there might be something else that God might want me to do with it. So they, they, they saw their, their money, or they didn't see their money and possessions like property that they owned and they had control of. Instead, they saw their money and possessions as a purpose that they shared with the rest of the church. And it changed the way they thought of things. The, the second thing that they did was that they, they, they understood that excess doesn't equal blessing. And, and, and there's people today who believe that as God gives them more, that's just God blessing them. I'm a good person. I've done what I'm supposed to. I show up at church. I give a little bit. I serve a little bit. And so the more that I amass just shares with other people how blessed I am by God. But having more than you can use does not indicate God's blessing. There is nothing wrong with having nice things, okay? You, you can have nice things. You can have money and, and property and, and whatever. There's nothing wrong with having nice things. There is something wrong with having more nice things than you can possibly use. That excess. And that excess might be different for different people. And, and so we got to understand, and I think one of those mental money shifts was that excess didn't equal blessing. I wasn't walking around going, look how blessed I am because of all the things that God has given me. Because I go back to this, God gives these things to me and there's a purpose behind it. And so we've got to release our grip on the stuff that we have. The second thing that I think we learned from Acts and that early church is that we need to tighten our belts, making room in our budgets to help people. I think that's what the first followers were doing. Look what it says in verse 34 and 35. For as many as were owners of lands or houses, they sold them. And they brought the proceeds of what was sold and they laid it at the apostles' feet. They sacrificially gave it to God through the church. And and so um, here's the deal. The, The first followers weren't hanging on to personal property just so that they could feel um, wealthy or financially stable. But because that makes sense to us um, today. Instead, they were liquidating things that they didn't really need so that they could demonstrate their love for the church, meaning the people in the church, the people that made up the church. 
And, and so um, they weren't selling everything they had. And I think that's an important distinction here. They weren't giving away every single thing that they had. And, and I believe that God never asks or expects us to give away things that we need or everything so that we might be in a deficit so that other people might be lifted up. That's not the idea here. These people weren't giving away their own home they were living in. They were giving away homes that they owned and that they could do without. And so God doesn't expect you to just give up everything, but he expects you to to be honest and open to him. And I suppose if he called you to do that, you'd have a decision to make, probably a pretty difficult decision. These first followers, though, they looked at their excess, whether that excess was large or whether it was little, they looked at their excess um, and 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 they adjusted their lifestyle in order to help other people in their lives. And so it didn't matter whether that excess meant uh, houses and property or whatever, or it meant I've just got a few extra dollars this month that, that I don't need to live on. They adjusted their lifestyle so that they could help others' lives. And, and so this is what it might look like today if we followed this principle. Well, we might um, cut off cable. We might say, you know what, I could do without cable or or I could maybe you cut the cord on cable already like we did at our house and and we just um we just buy the services or the apps or whatever that we spend the most time on and so maybe it's going you know what I I don't watch very much on this thing and I could cut that five dollars a month out I can adjust my budget there um maybe it's postponing a major Purchase. Maybe it's uh, taking our coffee money and just setting it aside to help the, the single mom who has to ride the bus because our car broke down. Or, or the family who might lose their modest home because there's been a, 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 there's been a loss of job or, a, or injury, a medical thing going on. Or the, or, or the retired guy who has to decide which pill he can afford to buy this month. That the way the first followers communicated love to their church was by helping those within their church. By showing, they showed kindness to those outside. It wasn't that they rejected that, but they loved the people inside. But the only way to know there is a need within the church is to know each other well enough to find out. And, And I think that's where often the disconnect comes. Because we hold back, especially if we feel like we're in need, we might be quiet, we might hold back, we might not open up to everybody else because we, we worry about the way that might look or sound or feel. The only way to know there is a need, though, is to know each other well. And so once we've loosed our grip, once we've tightened our belts, then the fun really begins because then we get to give it away. And so once the first followers ditched this um, mine, mine, mine mentality that many people had, then nobody in the church, it says, had a need anymore. Needs were met because people were prioritized. And, and that led to what happens next. In verse 33 and 34, it says, With great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And there was great grace that was upon them all. 
and there was no needy person among them. And so the people outside the church knew the truth of Jesus because of what was going inside the church. As they looked at this body of people, these first followers who were loving each other and they were, they were giving up their excess in order to help each other and, and to be involved in each other's lives, to know what was going on and to be able to share those needs. The rest of the world saw that. They recognized that something was different about this group of people. I'm not suggesting that we stop doing at things outside of the church. That, that's really not what this text is about. I'm saying that if we love our church, though, if we want to love our church well, then we've got to know each other well enough to know when there's a need in the lives of someone else and then work to meet that need. And honestly, I think over the last 15 years, we've done a decent job of this. Not the best job, but we've done a decent job. But the truth is, I think that we can do better. Because in the room right now are, are people with needs. This moment in this place, you might have a need that nobody else in this room knows about. And, and maybe you've been in need for a while and you've kind of just been suffering in silence. And maybe you're coming to church because at least you feel like maybe there's a little bit of hope that God might respond to your need. Because maybe it's a big thing and you're not sure what to do. But, but maybe, and, and maybe more frequently, it, it's just 20 bucks to get through this week or to put a little gas in the car or food on the table. Maybe you came this morning and, and, and we talked for just a minute about giving and, and, and you were motivated to give and you thought, man, I don't know how I'm going to put gas in the car this week and make it back and forth to work or wherever I've got to go without this, but I'm going to trust God. Well, we have to love each other well enough to be able to see those needs, to share those needs, and then be willing to sacrifice to meet those needs. And so um, I, I want to do something uh, crazy this morning, something that we don't really do um, often uh, here this morning, but I think it will make us look a little bit more um, like the followers, the first followers of Jesus. I'm not asking you this morning to, to sell your house or your property I'm not asking you to um, give up your car or other things that, that you might have. We're not talking about um, big stuff or, or what God might do later. Um, I am asking you to give what you might have right at this moment. And, and so for me, um, personally, because a, a few years ago, uh, my lovely wife began giving me an allowance so I would have a little cash in my wallet during the week in case I um, needed something or, or wanted something. And I um, sometimes am able to save that up a, a little bit. Um, I have $55 in my wallet today. And that um, represents all that I have personally at this moment. And so what if each one of us 
looked in our wallets or our purses this morning um, and just gave as God directed. Maybe what you had in your wallet was your Starbucks money for uh, the, the week. Or, or maybe, maybe you were planning on going to lunch with what you have today after church. Maybe what's there is um, leftover from a, a date night or a grocery store run. Whatever it is, it's all that you have right at this moment, just like the first church. And so what if we collect what we have this morning in this trunk? And then we do what Acts 4.35 says, we distribute to each as they have need. And so I'm going to have the band come up again, right? (laughs) I saw Tristan leave. Okay. (laughs) We're going to have the band um, come up again. And so what I'm asking you to do in the next few moments while they sing this song is I'm asking you to pray and see if this might be a time, a, a moment, a day for you to part with everything representatively, everything that is in your possession in order to love someone who sits here with you every Sunday and meet a need that maybe you don't even know about. And so while this music plays, consider it, pray, and then you give as God prompts you. Are you just waiting on me? (laughs) Okay.
not do a um, I love my church video yet but this is why (laughs) because you always respond you always respond with generosity and kindness and go over and above so um, (laughs) this is not how we uh, normally uh, handle uh, handle offerings uh, around here, <laughs> and I suspect that even um, the the first followers in that first church uh, were a little more intentional about uh, the offerings from the houses and lands that were sold and how those were distributed. But here's how we're going to do it just for today. I'm going to take this trunk and set it on the table in the back. Next to the trunk will be a notebook. I don't know what's going on in your life when you came in here this morning, but if you have a need today, this is for you. Whether it's 20 bucks for gas or 40 bucks for for food or based on what I see, it's 100 bucks to help you with rent this this month. You go to the back and you take what you need, what you believe you need, and I'd love it if you would write a little note in that notebook and just, you know, maybe it's like I came today and I didn't know how I was going to do this or that, and this allows me to do it. Please write us a note so that we can know how God has used this moment to, to bless and to help you. And um, I, I, I don't know what your need is. I, I don't know if it's possible, but it might be possible that when you get back there, that it's gone. Uh, and if that's the case, just write your need down in that, in that notebook. Um, and, um, and then we'll work on that together. So this is a hard exercise. And honestly, just when I stepped back for the band to play, I looked at the time. And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm in so much trouble. We are not going to beat any church to the restaurant today. (laughs) Uh, But it doesn't matter what restaurant it is or where it's at or what church it is. We're not going to beat anybody. Um, I I know this is a hard exercise, making sure that needs are met and, and, and being willing to loosen our grip and share our needs when we have them and that giving 
things that we think are important away. I know it's difficult to love our church in this way as we knock down fences, as we pick up the pieces of lives and we give it all in order to help someone else. But this is how we show love. And this is why I love my church. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for allowing us to partner with you in this thing called church and, and life. And God, the reality is often we don't get it right. And, and, we, and we blow it and we make mistakes. We don't, we, we, we're more interested in keeping than giving. We're, we're, we're scared to share our needs and so they go unmet. And um, so God, just, uh, man, just, Thank you for this place and for these people and for the love that they have for their church. Would you help us to share that love uh, with others as we um, move through this next week? In Jesus' name.